Welcome to the podcast, Meet My Potential, where Deepa chats with leaders around the world once a week or simply shares her insights. This podcast is for those who aspire to meet their highest inner potential. Each episode brings you one simple tool that you can apply at work or in life. Hello, and welcome to this episode on preventing burnout and re-engaging. Today, we have with us Monique Balcourt. Monique is an executive coach, a management professor, and a frequent contributor of the HBR. Welcome, Monique. Thank you very much. So, would you like to start off with uh, what is burnout and how does it manifest itself? Absolutely. So burnout is an occupational stress syndrome that consists of three primary symptoms or categories of symptoms. Mm -hmm. It tends to result from conditions at work. We often think of burnout as an individual condition, but really it is something that comes from the workplace, both from the amount of work you have, the types of interpersonal stressors you may be facing, and other factors. And the way that it shows up is, first of all, people tend to experience a feeling of exhaustion, a feeling of overwhelm, of not being able to handle everything. And oftentimes, particularly a feeling of emotional exhaustion, feeling as though you just don't have any more to give and you feel really drained. Oftentimes, you see this when somebody gets home from work and they just you know, barely have the energy to engage in conversations with family and just basically want to sit and be left alone. So that is often how, how it first starts to show up. The second primary component is cynicism. And so when people are feeling really cynical about their work, they're very disconnected from the sense of meaning that perhaps they had previously in the job and have developed a real feeling of cynicism about the organization, sometimes about colleagues, about clients that they may be working with. It's a, it's a loss of meaning and it shows up as you know a very negative attitude towards the work, the workplace, and the people that you're working with. And then finally, the third element of burnout is a sense of reduced personal efficacy. This shows up as a feeling that you are really struggling to do the uh, core elements of your job, that perhaps things that used to be relatively simple for you to do are now much harder or sense that your own competencies are declining. Often at this stage, people have a real feeling of imposter syndrome, that they're, you know, just barely managing to perform the responsibilities of their job. And they're pretty sure that somebody's going to figure out that they don't actually know what they're doing. Hmm. Some of the manifestations that you've just mentioned, like coming back home and wanting to be alone or feeling a bit irritated when you come back home, or we also see a lot of negativism at work, you know, people saying, oh, this is not going to work. Oh, that's not a good idea. And it's hard to deal with such negative uh, negativism. And we somehow have not associated these symptoms with burnout. How can you tell when a person is in a real danger of burnout? That's a great question, Deepa, and you've put your finger on one of the elements of burnout that makes it um, both resistant from the individual perspective and often causes it to be you know, under-identified in the workplace, which is that a person who's in a state of burnout can look very much 
like a person who is unmotivated or who is a low performer. Mm-hmm. Um, because you tend to have an increasing feeling of alienation from colleagues. You tend to have, uh, as you say, a lot of negativity, a lot of, you know, sort of negative comments, feeling of hopelessness. Certainly, it's a, like the opposite of being energized and being innovative. In fact, burnout is really the opposite of work engagement, whereas, you know, you have this exhaustion in a burned out person, a, a person who's engaged is going to be much more energized. So there are a number of different things. It's, it's really important to, if it's, you know, yourself, to really think about how am I feeling as, you know, what, what, what's Sunday like, night like for me as I anticipate the work week? Mm-hmm. What's it like to get up on Monday morning and think about heading to work? What am I excited about? What am I, uh, you know, feeling apprehensive about or dreading? And if you're feeling that there's much more a sense of, you know, lack of excitement or even dread about most aspects of your work, that's a pretty good sign. If you're finding that you're always tired, that you're not getting enough sleep, that you feel exhausted at the end of the workday, that may be a sign um, that you're approaching burnout. If you're one way to think about burnout is that your demands are outstripping the resources you have to meet those demands. So if you're finding that you just simply don't have enough energy, not just physical energy, but emotional energy to and, and time and attention to engage in the important relationships in your life, that may also be a symbol. So it, it's something that, you know, there's not a clinical diagnostic instrument that is used to assess burnout formally it is a burnout is you know something that has been identified in research literature and occupational stress as opposed to coming through medicine although it's actually very prevalent in the medical profession and that is one of the professional groups that is starting to really address it quite seriously but it's you know a matter of checking in with yourself, checking in with the other people that you spend a lot of time with. Uh, I myself, as somebody who has experienced and recovered from burnout, can tell you that when I was in that condition, my friends would tell me that essentially all I ever talked about was how much I hated my job. <laughs> and my, you know, my kids would say that's kind of all you, you know, you say that over and over again. So Usually, it's it, oftentimes, in fact, it's something that others can see in you before you recognize it in yourself. I love what you just mentioned, that others can see it in you before you can see it for yourself. That is so true. And uh, thanks for mentioning the wonderful points that you just mentioned. How do we feel on Sunday night? Are we excited? Are we dreading about Monday morning? Is it like back then in school? I hate going to school. I hate going to work. Or, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't get enough sleep. I'm constantly feeling a sense of fatigue. And sometimes we just blame it on this winter season. Oh, I need some vitamins for this winter. No, really check on yourself. Are you really feeling exhausted? Are you not getting enough sleep or what's happening? So that's some of the consequences for an individual. What are some of the consequences for an organization when people face burnout? Well, it can have a really negative consequence and it tends to move through, you know, there's this emotional component to burnout and emotions are contagious. So it is very common actually to see burnout clusters in organizations or or to, you know, to see organizations where 
the general uh, mood is one of negativity and, you know, we can't do that and things are going to be difficult. So at the organizational level, you know, we see things like lower levels of employee engagement, lower levels of retention, higher turnover, higher manifestations of stress, more absenteeism, lower commitment, performance can be negatively impacted. So it can have quite a systemic impact in terms of measurable outcomes that are important to organizations. And particularly when managers are burned out, they tend to transmit that low energy to their teams as well. I often um, think about leaders of teams as the person who controls the weather in the team. If you think about, uh-huh. you know, if you have a leader who, you know, comes in and, and they're like a, a sunny day and a breath of fresh air, everybody is going to feel positive and energized and able to focus with that. If you have a person who is walking around like there's constantly a storm brewing, they're going to similarly transmit that type of energy to their team and it's going to have a negative, a diminishing impact on the capacity of the team overall. So well said. Leaders define the weather of the day. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. And a lot of organizations are like golden handcuffs. It's so good to work there. Their privileges, their perks are so good. And yet at the same time, the negativism and the disengagement just makes it very hard for employees to leave the job and makes it just difficult for the projects. Absolutely. That's a really tricky problem. And a number of the organizations that I work with that do have, um, you know, systems of long-term employment or where people have invested significantly in developing their skills, invested significantly in terms of their identity being part of this organization, it can be very, very tricky to approach the problem and figure out, you know, is this something, can I, can I remain in this organization and be healthy over the long term? Or am I fundamentally facing a clash of values with the organization or is the organization's overall management climate something that is going to enable me to sustain good health or is it going to ultimately have a negative impact? So that can really make it tricky to decide what's the best approach to get back to full health when you're in a state of burnout. You're pointing to something very, very important, and that is the health of one person. So how can you prevent burnout? What are some effective strategies? Well, as I mentioned previously, you can think about burnout as being a deficit of resources in the face of a high level of demands. Mm -hmm. So one thing I often do with individual coaching clients and with organizations is to do an, an audit, essentially, of your energy resources, including how well you're taking care of yourself physically, including your mental resources. So are you able to focus? Are you able to prioritize and uh, devote the greatest part of your time to work that is high in value in terms of your emotional resources? What is the quality of interpersonal relationships in the team or in the workplace? Are there steps that can be taken in order to increase trust and mutual respect and civility and cohesion, things like that, which have a positive impact on uh, each person's emotional resources as well as on those of the team or, or an organization. And finally, what is the sense of purpose and the sense of meaning that people are enjoying in their work? 
that's another lever that can be uh, manipulated in order to help people to feel more engaged. But really, you know, in terms of looking at organizations, the most effective solutions tend to have components at the level of the team or organization. As an individual, I would say it's quite crucial to keep track of, you know, what is, for example, you can take a few minutes at the beginning of the week, at the end of the, you know, at the end of the week to say, what are the most important things I've accomplished to do a little uh, planning for the upcoming week? What are the key objectives that will help me to move my work forward? Uh, How much time do I need for those? When can I schedule those? Uh, Are there people, you know, to, to look at what kinds of, what the quality is of your interpersonal relationships? Do I have people I collaborate with who are energizing for me, who help me to connect to my own creativity, who give me a sense of hope and a sense of forward forward momentum? If those relationships are not adequately abundant, you might want to think about, are there ways that I can cultivate a couple of relationships in my workplace with people who have a more positive impact on me? And are there some relationships I can reduce my exposure to, particularly as we were talking about you know, the negativity, um, I can certainly identify in my own career history times when I have gravitated towards people in an organization who tended to be sources of negative energy for me. And that had a huge impact on my overall sense of satisfaction and well-being. Um, So really being mindful about what's the energetic quality of the relationships that you have. Uh, And I know that not everybody has the opportunity to shape their interpersonal environment, but typically we can make choices about where to invest our time, energy, and focus in terms of collaborative relationships to a certain extent. Okay, great. Thanks. And what would be some ineffective strategies in that case? Well, the pathways that people often get stuck in that don't help them and that may actually make things worse are, you know, a really typical pattern is you start to feel overwhelmed and you're feeling uh, like you're you know, not as skilled as you used to be or you, you barely have the skills and the resources to do your job. And so you're falling behind and you're becoming more anxious. And so what you do is you start spending more and more time working. You know, you're working in the evening, you're working on the weekends, you're bringing work home mentally and not giving yourself a chance to recharge and refresh emotionally. You have less time to devote to important self-care strategies like exercise and spending time with loved ones and engaging in other activities, hobbies, and so forth that you find enriching. So you cut back on those things thinking that you, you know, the only way out is to work more, harder, longer. And the more you do that, the less efficiently and effectively you tend to work. So that tends to be a downward spiral. So it's really important to, as every single commercial air flight always advises you at the safety briefing to make sure you put on your own oxygen mask first. And once you do that, you're in a much better position to help other people. So self-care is is really vitally important in the short term, as well as thinking, how do I see myself growing in this organization long term? What kinds of, of goals do I have for learning, for growth, for the quality of my work experience? What are things that I can do to help reach those goals? And is there the support and resources in the organization that I need in order to be able to have the kind of work experience I want? And if not, 
that's a good time to, you know, to step back maybe and do some thinking about a bit of a career pivot or uh, a way to, you know, to, to find your way into a situation that's more conducive for your sustainable well-being. Excellent. Thank you. Whenever we have a lot of work, our natural and normal tendency is to actually go and preempt everything and, you know, get it past us. And what you're actually mentioning is, is pause, step back, take care of yourself, replenish your energy and look at the big picture of where you're going, what's giving you energy to move ahead before you mm -hmm. get into a downward spiral. Absolutely. Thank you. And uh, for some uh, reason, burnout has today, in at least the way I have seen it, is it's an on-off state. Like, oh, someone has attained burnout or someone hasn't attained burnout. And throughout the discussion that we've had today, it's a state that one is can constantly be approaching and not be aware of it. So the symptoms that you mentioned and the way to prevent them are also applicable to the people who are on the path to burnout, right? For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not, a, it's not an on off, uh, you know, zero one type of thing. It's really much more a spectrum. You know, am I feeling a little stress? I mean, everybody feels overwhelmed at times, et cetera. But if you get to the point where you're starting to feel this is this is unsustainable, you know, I, this is having a really negative impact on my life. This is not the kind of life and work I want to be having at this stage. That's a signal that it's not, you know, a, kind of a busy period this month at work where I'm feeling a little stressed, but rather something that may be more systemic. And certainly, you know, you can move more in the direction of burnout and then things may shift and you may have a period where you're feeling better. So you can, you can go in and out, but you know, once you, you really hit the wall and are feeling like, you know, if you're waking up in the morning and thinking, I, I absolutely cannot face another day at this job. Um, that's definitely a signal that it's time to, to take some action to help yourself to have a more positive and healthy work experience. Great. Thank you very much for sharing your insights here with us. And before we close the call, what's one message that you'd like to share with the audience? I would say that although careers are long, life is short. And, you know, the time that you have in a job, although it, it may at times seem endless, I think it's always good to be able to step back and ask if the amount of time I had on this earth were suddenly much more limited than I anticipated is this what I would be wanting to do with my time? I think that everybody, I really believe that everybody has the right to experience joy at work and also the capacity to do so. And that it is a very important project for one's life to seek, to construct, to craft work that is positive, meaningful, and that sustains one and, and one's, uh, you know, important social network. So I think it's it's something that people really should pay attention to and to take whatever steps they can to ensure that they're they're thriving at work and that that's allowing them to have a positive impact on the people that they care about. Excellent. Thank you very much. And as the new year begins, I hope you all will try to create more positive energy and find more meaning and especially lot more joy in your work this year. Thanks very much for being here with us. 
My pleasure. Thank you, Deepa. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to know more how you can meet your potential, check out www.meetmypotential.com. That's www.meetmypotential.com. Join us again. And until then, stay cool.